Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. I wanted a career in which everything would matter. So I joined the CIA and now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American. Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit CIA.gov slash careers to learn more and apply. What's up, guys? Welcome in GC Live. Chris Clark is here. Wes Mitchell is here. Alyssa Lang will be here momentarily. As Justin says on YouTube, we are running slightly late because I am chowing down on Promo Gourmet. Chris is wearing his dead Soxy socks, and we're also asking Clint Hammond about a mortgage. That, that about sums up every single GC Live show. I guess we can go now, man. No point to actually do a show. We got all, all three of those in. Appreciate that. Justin, um, Travis says that we had to mix in a water as well. Everything on brand from the chat so far. Uh, welcome in. GC Live, of course, will be joined actually in about 12 minutes uh, by Alyssa Lang. Uh, she, of course, was on the sidelines for South Carolina's massive win over Florida. Uh, Alyssa, of course, with the SEC Network now, a former Gamecock Central alum, a former University of South Carolina um, student and graduate. So, uh, yeah, uh, Perfect time to get Alyssa on, share some insights uh, from the win on Saturday and, and just kind of to catch up with her and, and see what's been going on. And, of course, we'll be talking about uh, Beamer's press conference today, uh, talking a little bit about Missouri, um, as he does every Tuesday. Uh, Chris, what's up, man? Man, it's a good day. It's been a busy day. We were just talking right before we came on the show. Tons of content right now on GamecockCentral.com. If you're not familiar – that is, of course, our website. We do have a website. GC Live is a program. We work with GamecockCentral.com. Tons of stuff. Uh, women's basketball, men's basketball, recruiting for basketball. Gamecock, Frank, Frank Martin just picks up a commitment. Um, basketball tipping off. Football, football recruiting. Tons of stuff going on. So it's been an exciting week, a busy week. Looking forward to continuing to uh, – looking forward to talking to Alyssa and continuing to break things down in the aftermath of Florida and, of course, leading up to the Missouri game because we just heard, to add to the busyness, just heard from Shane Beamer a, a little while ago. Yeah, and by the way, Chris, I promised everybody yesterday that we would talk some football recruiting today. Yeah. So after Alyssa comes on, help me remember, we've got to talk about the commitment of Demetrius Watson and some of the other things going on 
um, on this past Saturday, recruits that were in town, some, some, you know, decently newsworthy type stuff we need to talk about from that. So I don't want to forget that. Um, as you said, man, it's uh, there's a lot going on today. South Carolina women's basketball, um, 5 p.m. tip off. I want to make sure I get all these things correct. Women are at 5 o'clock. That game is on ESPN, also on 107.5. They're, you know, this this schedule, man, uh, Don Staley has put together one of the toughest schedules probably of all time on, on paper. Um, they open up with number five NC State at NC State. So you, you get right into it, get right into a battle. Um, no real easing in there as far as the schedule goes. So that's on ESPN. Then at 7 o'clock, you have uh, South Carolina men's basketball team facing uh, USC Upstate at Colonial Life Arena. That is streaming only SEC Network Plus. You can watch it there, or you can just go on over to Colonial Life and watch the game yourself. And other news, I, I want to make sure we get all the actual news out first. Um, as you said, South Carolina men's basketball adding a commitment today from a class of 2022 prospect. That is uh, wing Daniel Hankins Sanford, uh, someone that I believe South Carolina was expected to get, uh, but he makes it official and then will sign with South Carolina during the early signing period, which is coming up um, later this week. Uh, 21.4 points, 9.9 rebounds, and two blocks a game last season for Chambers High School, which is in the Charlotte area. So Frank Martin adds a commitment and will tip off the season uh, later on tonight. By the way, Shane Beamer, did you notice he started his press conference uh, giving shouts, shout outs to, to Don Staley and to Frank Martin? And you know what? This is a very small, probably stupid thing, but I appreciated the football coach uh, using the correct terminology and saying that they were about to tip off the yes. season. Yes. Small, small thing, but attention to detail was there a lot of people will say, oh, they're about to kick off their season um, when they're talking about basketball. So the football coach saying they're about to tip off um, certainly seems like Frank Martin and Don Staley both have a, a, a strong working relationship with Shane Beamer, and uh, they always try to show love to each other. So that, that was cool. The, so the actual press conference today, Chris, let's dive into that. Then we'll see what Alyssa um, has going on, and then we'll hit recruiting after she uh, finishes her segment. So uh, any takeaways from this press conference today? Well, you know, I don't think there was anything super newsworthy, Wes. I mean, a couple smaller things. You know, Jason Brown's going to be the starter. We all kind of knew that, even though Beamer had not, like, explicitly doubled down or whatever the terminology would be for it. He he did outline that. Jalen Brooks still not back with the team. Beamer said that he's hopeful that they'll get him back, but he will not uh, be with the team for the Missouri game. Nothing that I caught that was super newsworthy. Something he did say about Missouri that I wanted to hit on, and I'm sure we'll continue throughout the week, kind of going a lot more in-depth on Missouri as a team. Wes, later this week, we'll have Gabe DeArmond, PowerMizzou.com. He'll be on with us. I'm going to be on his show this week as well, talking Gamecocks in Missouri. Shane Beamer mentioning that Missouri is playing better. Now, some people may roll their eyes at that, right? what was it, 43-6, to I think, against Georgia this weekend. They actually got up early, 3 nothing after, I think, on their second drive, they got a field goal. Georgia storms back. They win. And so you look at that scoreline, 43-6. to You look at what Missouri's done this year, and you kind of maybe roll your eyes at that. Don't know that that was coach speak as much in this instance because, I'll tell you, I watched some of the Georgia-Missouri game today Georgia did not have success running the football. Zamir White averaged 1.8 yards a carry. James Cook had nine carries. He didn't fare very well. Up the, a lot of the up-the-middle runs did not work out well. So intriguing storyline there that I want to dive in the rest of this week. South Carolina coming off their best rushing performance of the year by far. That'll be critical against Missouri, who's really struggled with the run all year. They, they actually played a lot better in that facet on Saturday. So that one wasn't really a newsworthy item from from Shane Beamer, but it did kind of spark that in my mind to go back and look at that a little bit. Yeah, man. And I, I think, as you said, uh, news-wise, Jason Brown officially named a starter. They released the depth chart earlier today. Beamer confirmed, yes, he's a starter. Um, 
we, we all knew he was going to be the starter, but now it's, I guess, officially official. Uh, so, so my takeaway, man, uh, first of all, we, we learned today the team had a, uh, a team-only meeting last week, uh, Marshawn Lloyd letting that information out there during the player-made uh, media availability today. And then, to me, man, I, I think, uh, you know, with, with every first-year head coach, they're, they're almost steps to this. Like, you know, his first press conference, his first offseason, first spring practice, first summer uh, as far as, um, you know, re- recruiting goes and camps and all that. There, there's all these little milestones where a coach tackles something for the first time. And to, to me, as someone who has grown up in the state of South Carolina and has been alive for 35 years now, I have consistently watched the University of South Carolina football teams at times not be able to handle success. So to me, we all, and I'll even, you know, I'll put myself completely, as I said yesterday, in the Homer category. I love talking with the Carolina fan base when Carolina has good things going on. Right. So, you know, I, I, I look and we all have had a blast the last 48, 72, whatever hours it is when, you, when you're hearing this, watching this, whatever. Um, now, Beamer has what I will say might be actually his toughest test so far since he got the job at South Carolina. Can you ground these guys back to work? Because here's the thing, man. If uh, it, 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 we we as a collective, like everybody involved, everybody around this program, people get fired up when South Carolina loses. People get very fired up when South Carolina wins. Um, look no further than the best video on the internet yesterday, which if we have time, I think we need to do a full synopsis of a, a complete review of the Josh Van video that the the South Carolina creative media team put together. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So if you haven't watched that, I don't know what rock you're you're living under, go check it out uh, on the Gamecock football Twitter. Hilarious, right? Stuff like that, amazing, well done. Um, the, The level of petty, like the level of just putting Florida's like face down into the dirt after beating them, incredible. That said, everybody around the program, but really everybody in the program, has to ignore the noise and not get too caught up. Because this game Saturday is is a toss-up. Like, it is absolutely a toss-up. Some people are going to go ahead and say, well, Missouri's not very good. South Carolina just beat Florida. I expect the Gamecocks to win. That's what some people are going to say. They're going to say South Carolina should win. No. South Carolina has to go play very well, continue to not turn the football over, continue to not make penalties, which they avoided penalties um, to as well as they have all year long on Saturday. Otherwise, everyone will get dragged directly back down to earth in this fan base. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're a week removed away, basically, West, from us talking about how South Carolina was not going to be favored on the road against Missouri. Then you come out, you have a strong performance against Florida, and the narrative flips some. And that was that was such a key win to be able to show what this team is capable of doing. Now, here's the thing. They have not shown that in the other games of the year. So we know that there's there's been two sides of this team this year, and the, the the not so good side we've seen more of, right? So it could be that very well be that this team has figured something out that has clicked that they've turned the corner. We we know that this team offensively is capable of playing better than what they have. And we saw some of that Saturday, uh, but if they don't play well, this isn't a game that they're going to be able to just go sleep and win it. You're exactly right. So uh, Missouri, look, they have struggled. There's no doubt about it. They've struggled, especially on defense. Their quarterback, Connor Bazelak, still injured. Eli Drinkwitz spoke today. Still don't know if he's going to be able to play this week. He said they'll know later in the week. Maybe today they're going to get a little bit of a better sense, but they played two quarterbacks last week. 
there are some issues. Can South Carolina take advantage of those things? They are going to have to go and play well and kind of build on that performance from last week in order to do that. All right, y'all, let's uh, let's go on out now. we got our special guest joining us down there. Alyssa, give me a thumbs up if you're ready. You, you look two thumbs up. Alyssa is ready. Joining us here on GC Live. Alyssa, welcome in. Thanks for taking the time again. You know, when we had you on last last time, we pulled you up, and you were very much on brand, um, cramming your lunch in your face. Um, I remember that now. Yeah, that, what, not my what, finest moment. What? It, what? It, well, no, but you've sort of uh, – You've built this very, uh, I would say, awesome brand of adding football and food with your sideline reports, which I think everybody enjoys. So what what was for lunch today? Was it anything special or was it like a quick just uh, grab it and go? Yeah, so I uh, I utilized DoorDash today. As you can tell, I'm very much in like my midday mode right now. I'm going to get ready to go into uh, the SEC Network studio for our evening show tonight. But I got off of my radio show this morning was starving, DoorDash, Chick-fil-A, started getting ready for the TV shows tonight. And uh, yeah, yeah, the food thing has become um, a lot of fun this season, honestly. I, I enjoy it. I think that's one of the things that make the SEC so special is that everywhere you go, every fan base is like, oh my gosh, make sure you go to such and such place on the square. Make sure you go here. You have to get a burger here. So um, our broadcast crew loves to just throw ourselves into whatever fan base we're visiting that week. And um, I've gotten to do that twice at South Carolina now, which has been fun. But it's also been a lot of pressure because my crew expects, since I lived in Columbia, that I pick like the best of the best place, like without a doubt. And I feel like I've done pretty well so far, but it it is kind of a lot of pressure. So you had Village last week, Andy's before. All right. What were the – does the crew also get the food that you try? Like you make the suggestions, they also get some, right? Yes. Get some so uh, we usually start workshopping it early in the week, depending on where we're at. Um, and we really end up rotating, taking turns, finding a place, picking a place, unless someone already knows of a place that they're swearing by, which is typically how it works when we go to Columbia. Um, so I think I walked into village at like four 30, picked up three 12 inch pizzas and carried them up to the broadcast booth. And everyone on the crew was like, Oh, you're only going to eat a slice of that on the broadcast, right? Like we can eat some of this before, uh, before the broadcast tips off. So, um, we do end up sharing when we were in Nashville, we got five daughters donuts, which is also very famous. And so, you know, of course they, couldn't just get three donuts for Taylor Stinch and myself. Had to have to share the love, make sure the crew behind the scenes are happy because they're the ones making the magic happen. <laughs> Can't make them upset. Definitely, definitely. That's a that is a veteran move. And uh, Alyssa, I know that deep down, uh, you know, we we're in this whole media thing. We all have to keep it uh, neutral. I know deep down you enjoyed being on the sideline on Saturday. Um, what, what was it like uh, just to sort of? I mean, we all know that this team. Uh, they, they've been through some stuff the last few years and not a lot of moments uh, for the South Carolina football program like they got to experience on Saturday. What, what did you witness just watching the guys enjoy it? I know you talked to Coach Beamer right after the game. His kids are all running up to him, hugging him. His dad, Frank Beamer, is like all smiles. Um, give us a little insight. What was it like to be on the sideline and, and watch these guys experience that on Saturday? It was pretty unbelievable, honestly. And, you know, I, of, of course, have a connection to this university and, and this city, which makes it more special. But in a way that I'm just happy for the fans, you know, I, I knew I was getting this assignment about a week ahead of time. And I had some people who live in Columbia and were going to be at the game reach out to me and say, you know, we're, I don't know, I have a bad feeling that it might be empty in there and it might be quiet and hopefully people turn up and, when we walked out onto the field and I looked up into the stands, I was like, okay, yeah, Gamecock fans, they turned out. It's been a tough season, but they turned out. And as the game progressed, I mean, I've done a couple of games over the last couple of years at williams Bryce, but I can't remember the last time that I looked up and was like, man, this place is out of its mind, like losing it. I mean, it's been, for me at least, years since I've experienced that personally. So Um, I know it sounds cliche, but as a broadcaster, it doesn't really matter where you are when you witness a team that's gone through so much adversity, 
finally have that breakthrough and the guys are finally getting to see the hard work pay off and the fans are finally having something to cheer for. You know, we, we saw it really up close and personal with Arkansas in 2019. My crew did four Arkansas games that year, um, including a Western Kentucky game where Western Kentucky visited Fayetteville. And I ended up interviewing the Western Kentucky head coach after the game because they beat Arkansas. And it was just the saddest trip always to go there and see these Razorback fans who are like, who knows, you know, we're probably going to lose today and look at them now. Um, so it kind of gives you, you hope for South Carolina and what Shane Beamer is building already in, in this first year, you know, being down there and watching the guys' reactions to it, the way they were celebrating, the way they were amped. It's just fun. It's, it's cool. You know, Shane and, and the coaching staff, does a, they do a really good job of giving us a behind the scenes look of the work that goes in and some of the frustrations. And I was talking to you guys after the Troy game, we were on the call for that. And there were so many times where I'm watching like, Oh my gosh, what is the O-line doing? Like, what is, are they like, what is happening here? And for it to finally get put together in such a way on Saturday night, it's just rewarding. I mean, even if you're not a South Carolina fan, there were Georgia, Tennessee fans across social media who were like, man, that's really special for that football team. And then you mentioned Frank and Cheryl and the whole Beamer family on the field afterwards. I mean, I walked up to Frank Beamer and introduced myself and we talked for a few minutes and he was in absolutely no rush. He was just standing there kind of looking around and taking it all in and talking to anybody who walked up to him. Cause you could just tell he was so proud of not only what his son had been doing, but the effort of this football team, because, you know, you can say anything you want about Florida. And that was a team that came in not prepared for that game. And that was evident, but it doesn't matter. In the SEC, you get a win like that. It's a big deal. Um, I could rant for another five minutes about it, but it, it was, it was a really magical night. And I was just really happy for everybody who was in that building. It was awesome. Yeah, and Lisa, you, you talked about Beamer and how you guys kind of get that behind the scenes leading up to each game. What have you observed, and you don't have to, you know, throw any other SEC coaches under the bus, but, like, what have you observed with Beamer with, like, either the way he conducts himself in those media settings, the access he gives y'all, and just how he does things in general compared to maybe some of the others that you've seen across the across the conference? Yeah, I think one thing about Shane that jumped out to me early on, um, even from the moment he was introduced and the first time I got to meet him, he's just so honest and he's so genuine. And I know those words have been used so many times to describe Coach Beamer, but it's true. And like I said, we had that Troy game a few weeks ago, and one of the players who I got to talk to leading up to the game just – gathering stories and gathering notes was JJ and Igbare. And he told me, you know, when the coaching staff turned over, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go somewhere else, if I wanted to stay, I kind of just sat there and marinated in it. And I really wanted to see if coach Beamer was the same guy when he got to Columbia, you know, a month later when the dust settled. And he said there were even times where he sort of tried to put coach in a situation or ask coach a question and maybe see if he could like pile <laughs> him up a little bit or maybe see, you know, if he wasn't the same guy as he is in front of us and in front of the cameras and in front of the team. And he said he's always been consistent. He's always been that same guy. And he said as soon as he realized that this was a guy that I wanted to play for. And I think that summarizes it perfectly. Um, coach Beamer has been the same with us in person as he has when I've done uh, kicking field goal shoots with Parker White and he's bombed the shoot and he's given me grief about my kicking skills to, you know, when we catch up with the coach, 30 minutes to kick and see if there's any last minute scratches or anything like that. He's just always got that same high energy demeanor. He's like, uh, he feels like a Ted Lasso to me, honestly, and, and it resonates. You can tell um, the best part for me uh, not the best part. One of the best parts of Saturday night was I had just gotten done telling a story that Josh Van had told me last week about Shane and his energy level. And he said, you know, coach gets so fired up on the sidelines sometimes. He said a couple weeks ago, I don't even know if I made a play or if I was even on the field or whatever it was, but we take a timeout, come over to the huddle. And he goes, and coach just punches me square in the chest. And I'm like, buddy, like that was that was hard. And he said, you know, it kind of knocked the wind out of me for a second. It hurt a little bit. I had teammates coming over saying, are, are you okay, man? 
And uh, Josh was like, you know, it, it hyped me up so much. But at the same time, it's like, where this, this is a lot of energy. You got a lot of energy. And uh, right when I got done telling that story was when Jason Brown made one of those incredible throws down the sideline to Josh Van, And then Shane walks over and, you know, starts beating on him again. So um, another great example of just the kind of guy he is, how passionate he is. And if you don't believe it from the players, you can see it. Like you said, Wes, when his whole family comes over and jumps on him and they're so excited and Frank Beamer's ear to ear, like, how can you, how can you not love it? It's incredible. Yeah, that, that was perfect timing for that story, by the way. I caught that on the replay that Beamer, you know, he's over there shoving him right, right after y'all told that story. Um, yeah, I meant for that to happen. I knew yeah, it was, was going to happen. Definitely, definitely. And I know, I know you got to go soon, Alyssa. I'll have a production meeting, but um, tell us, I, I guess, um, as far as the reaction from your SEC network colleagues, I know we, we, we hear all what's going on locally. So obviously some of the reaction was going to be about Florida and, you know, where they're headed right now. That's a completely different story. But what was the reaction from sort of a, a conference-wide standpoint uh, about what this win meant for, for Beamer and this program moving forward? Yeah, um, it's funny you say that because Gene Chizik actually texted me last night and he said, you know, it's we're, we're always ships in the night passing with our shows. He's there on weekends and I'm at games. And he texted me and he was like, man, I'm so glad you got to be there for that. I'm so glad for Shane. It's finally coming. It feels so exciting to be in Columbia right now. And I think that's sort of the epitome of how everyone feels. You know, you see everything that Coach Beamer talks about and everything that the staff talks about. And you see the clips from the players saying that, you know, we got all the energy in the world. It's just a matter of putting it together and it's a matter of executing it. It's a matter of not taking it all the way down to the last three minutes against Vanderbilt, if we can help it. Um, and I think just seeing that come together, like I said at the beginning, you know, if you're a South Carolina fan, if you're not a South Carolina fan, if you're a college football fan, seeing a team that's gone through so much change and through so much adversity and has so much work to do still, uh, be able to grab a win like that at home in front of their fans and do it in just the high energy, high competitive way that they did it, it was it was something to watch and that was something that Chiz said on the Saturday night show on SEC network he said you know top to bottom no one expected this to happen you know you look at Florida's roster you look at South Carolina's roster everyone was picking Florida to win that football game even South Carolina fans were picking Florida to win that football game but they out energied they out hearted if that's a word they out everything that Florida Gator team and that just points you back to exactly what coach Beamer and this staff have been able to do because you're sitting at four and four with guys who are beat up guys who are exhausted guys who had very little success offensively against Texas A&M two weeks earlier to be able to send them out there and play the way they did on Saturday night is something really really impressive and I think everybody everybody saw that um, and they've seen it for a while it was just a matter of time until it kind of came to fruition and it finally did. It definitely did. Alyssa, great stuff as always. I appreciate you making the time. Uh, r remind everybody, I know you know you got the radio show, you got the TV show, you got the sideline gig. Um, where where all can they hear you and see you and when? And uh, tell them about everything you got going on real quick. Well, I feel like people hear and see me too much sometimes. Like I kind of feel <laughs> bad, but I'll, I'll take it as long as they keep putting me on. Uh, we are on SEC Network for SEC Now every Tuesday night. So with basketball starting tonight, actually mm – -hmm. We'll be on a little bit later, um, but we'll start with our basketball coverage tonight, and then we'll have an hour of SEC football somewhere around 11, 11.30 tonight. Um, then I do Sirius XM, our SEC show, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Out of Pocket is on Wednesday. I'm working on some Gamecock guests, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, for this week because they certainly deserve it. I was upset that we didn't get Jason Brown's Waterboy impression into the broadcast. We, we were trying, but... There just wasn't exactly a, a good time for it. So you'll see that on Out of Pocket tomorrow. Um, and then, of course, games on Saturday. So tis the season. We love it. <laughs> no doubt. Alyssa, we appreciate you as always. Uh, great work as always. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks, guys. Yep, that's Alyssa Lang. Check her out all over the place on, on SEC Network, on, on all the shows, and, and good insight from Alyssa as always. I appreciate her taking the time. We'll have to do that again. She had a production meeting uh at 2 30 so she was she was fitting us in with, with everything else she had going on but appreciate her taking the time and a uh, cool insight chris just on 
I, I mean, and, and they did they did a great job, uh, not just her, but the whole crew, I thought, of capturing uh, kind of what was going on um, at the end of that game and, and what it meant for South Carolina and, and for the program and, and for Shane Beamer. I mean, I, I we talked about it yesterday. I don't know if you can overstate sort of just how how needed and how how rewarding I'm sure that night was for guys that had been, you know, putting in the extra work. Beamer talked about it, and I know some people probably even roll their eyes when Beamer says, you know, hey, after that AM loss, the guys wanted to practice even more. Or hey, we had a great day of practice on Sunday after the AM loss. There were, I'm sure, people rolling their eyes saying, you know, we we don't care, coach, uh, play better. You know, like that. I, I guarantee that was a reaction from some people. But for that to, to sometimes, like you can you can keep beating the table, you can keep being positive, you can keep pushing. Sometimes you just need that reward to come through, and uh, for guys to see a tangible result. So. Uh, you know, I, I I thought they uh, they captured that really really well on Saturday. Yeah, they did, and the result is important at some point. You know, you go into the year, everything we talked about this a lot before the season. Like everything was so positive, we said, "Hey, this team's going to run into some adversity. They're going to lose a game. They're going to lose games this year, given the schedule, given where they're at, and how they respond is going to be, you know, key to that." So, Wes, there have been things that. Uh, whatever you think of the record, kind of throw that out the window. There have been things about this team that we've been surprised by. There are things that have been better than we thought. There are things that have been worse than we thought. Things that have been kind of on point, maybe, to what we thought they would be. I think when you look at this team, something that does stand out is that what even if it's in the within the games themselves where the team has, frankly, you know, first quarter, first half, they're on their way to getting blown out of the building, you know, Tennessee, A&M they keep playing harder in those games and the score was ugly in both of them, but they continue playing. And that kind of says something because in order to get better, in order to end up making progress to improve your record, to stay on the course on the right path, you know, you can't give up on what you're doing. You have to tweak some things, but you have to keep your guys engaged. And Beamer has done that. He's kept things very positive. He's kept the guys engaged. He's kept them involved in the games to where you haven't ever looked at a game this year and said, the guys have quit. They haven't had good effort. They haven't had good energy. Those things have been in place. It's been other things that have been a problem. When you start having the effort, the energy problems, then you've got big issues that are going to be way harder to correct. You go into Florida, they come out against a Florida team that came in with the same record that has had some issues themselves. And Alyssa pointed it out and went more in detail on it. South Carolina's sideline was the one that wanted to be there, that acted like they wanted to be there, that was hyped up, that was playing with more energy, with more effort, with more heart, and it showed. Then they get that result. Now that's something that you can go build on because it creates that belief in guys that, hey, what what we have been doing, the work we've been putting in, it is going to pay off or it's possible that it does pay off. Definitely, man. We're going to get to some recruiting here in a second. I didn't tell everybody at the beginning of the show about our presenting sponsor. He is Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. The NMLS number is 71597. Email address is the letter C. That's Hammond at mortgagenetwork.com. Give Clint a shout. 803-576-4450. Or just head on over to clinthammond.com. If you're in the market for a new home, or if uh, you just want to see what options are out there for you to save yourself some money on a refinance, Clint is your guy, and uh, he will walk you through that process and make it extremely easy. Um, Chris, again, there's been so much to unpack this week that we did not get to uh, recruiting and, and sort of what Saturday meant. Uh, Beamer talked about this during the press conference today, and you, um, you, uh, you could even – he was sort of even maybe hesitating for a moment, I felt like, to parse his words correctly. Um, and then he sort of just said, I think, like, screw it. I'm just going to say exactly what I'm thinking. I don't know if you caught this part, but he was like, uh, you know, there, there were some guys that maybe maybe didn't return the text, didn't return the call, didn't return the DM, what whatever it may be. And then you get a win like that, 
And it goes to show you, even a four and four at the time Florida team, it means something if you beat the Florida Gators. It means something when you win a game by 23 points that you were supposed to lose by almost 21 points. And this is the type thing. Chris, I'll go back to the beginning of the season when we're all going into the year. What were we saying at the time? We were saying South Carolina to have like a successful build off of it type season, find a way to get to a bowl and find a way to have a signature win. And I'll be honest, I was starting to wonder if the signature win was coming. Or the ball. <laughs> or or the ball. Um, <laughs> yeah, to, to be to be completely honest. I, yeah. I was starting to wonder. And part of that, Chris, was because even the, the dubs at the time were, uh, you know, a win over Eastern Illinois, win over Troy, and a squeaker against Vandy. So... You start to wonder, and to me, there, there's there's no level of sales job or a recruiting job or, hey, man, we'd love to have you. There's no words that can replace what South Carolina did on the field on Saturday because I think recruits and their parents, you know, they, they understand this is a rebuild right now. They understand that you're you're kind of you're trying to push the program forward. They understand the results aren't going to be there on the field yet, but they also want to see some signs of tangible progress as well. And now South Carolina, with prospects who were there, that's great if they were there for like for the game, obviously, mm-hmm. even for guys who weren't there. They no doubt heard about Carolina winning this game. That that that's that's the type of thing that can't be bought. It can't be uh, recreated. It can't be manufactured. It just has to happen. You have to do it on the field. And I think we're gonna see. I don't know if we'll be able to pinpoint exactly which guys this has a specific. Um, you know, uh, I would say uh, result with. But uh, I can tell you, Emory Floyd is probably one of them. And, yeah. uh, but I think beyond that, this was just a massive week for South Carolina as far as the on the field spilling over to the recruiting side. Yeah, and I think a lot of people's questions would be, okay, who? Like you, you hit on a good point there. Who? Which ones? It's kind of like when um, in some ways when the indoor facility opened. Right, you got this big what forty fifty million dollar building, not the indoor facility, the the long operations center. And the first reaction a lot of people had: okay, time for the recruits to get here, you know, like. And it's like, no, this is a piece of it, right? This is something that you need to keep up. This is something that maybe it helps lure a guy to campus. Maybe something you can point to and say, hey, come check this out. Marshawn Lloyd, good example of that. You get him there, he's blown away by it. You keep recruiting him, you eventually land him, right? you have a pandemic that wipes out a year or whatever it was of people being able to come see any of your facilities. Right. So similar thing with football field and results, like you're selling hope, you're selling, you know, what your offense is going to be, what your defense is going to be playing time, academics, all these different things. At some point, it certainly helps your recruiting when, and for certain guys, it's critical show result. You don't have to go, you know, 12 and 0 in a season, but show results, show that measure of progress. And how do you do that? Well, the scoreboard, you, you win games. And so this is a situation where we can point to some individual guys like Emory Floyd, the game cut commitment that's been considering a visit to Florida, heavily considering Florida also. But just in a more broad sense, Wes, you walked away from that game feeling like based on reaction of just prospects in general, um, whether they were there or not you kind of walked away from it going, South Carolina didn't have as much juice in recruiting going in. This game seemed to give them a little bit of life, a little bit of a boost in that area in a general sense. No doubt, man. So let, let's talk about Floyd uh, specifically as well. Um, he has told, actually, he has separately told both of us um, now that he is is locked into South Carolina. You know, some 
sometimes, you know, there's a little bit of recruit speak there, I call it, when guys when guys are taking other visits and they're saying, oh, I'm 100%. You always take it with a grain of salt. But I will say this, for Emory, uh, he, he's been very open about the fact that he was going to visit Florida. He was going to go three separate times, he was saying at one point. Uh, wasn't hiding the fact that he was going to visit. He's been very open about it. Um, I talked to him for a little while on Sunday. Now he's not even sure if any of those visits will take place. Uh, one of them was set for that Samford game that is this week for Florida. He was also planning to be at the Florida State game, and they were trying to get him in for an official after the season. So, I mean, we'll, we'll look and see if he, if he makes it to, to Gainesville this Saturday. I'm sure they'll be trying to get him in. But now, you know, I, I, I saw some of, some of the fans on, on GC were just assuming the kid's going to flip. And even before this game, I said, look, the defensive coordinator at Florida is probably getting canned. And then he did. So, you know, I, I, I think the, that happening plus South, him being in town for that game, it going the way it did, he's been publicly cheering for South Carolina on his social media was excited about the win, may not even take that trip. Uh, seems to me like South Carolina ha- has really helped themselves maybe re-solidify the commitment both in what he's saying and in what um, you know what his actions are. We'll, we'll certainly see if he takes this trip. By the way, uh, for those who keep up with everything else we have going on on the GC YouTube, uh, Kendall Smith actually has the second episode of her uh, her show that she's been doing with recruits, uh, the Gimme Five, where basically uh, you get a little bit of a glimpse at the kids off the field. Um, Emery's gonna, we, it's already done, but it'll be on there tomorrow on Wednesday if y'all want to go check that out. But but Chris, obviously, as one of the most highly rated, highly recruited guys in this commitment class, hanging on to Emory Floyd, big deal for South Carolina on the field, big deal for South Carolina from a perception standpoint as well as a four star guy. Yeah, no doubt. And that was one where the momentum definitely flipped from what it was. You know, Emory had been in communication with some other schools, Georgia, which we've said, I mean, we weren't tracking them as much, but Kentucky, Auburn, Florida was the big one to watch. Now, you know, a set of circumstances, one of them being just the game visit, it was just important to get Emory back on campus. So you do that, reconnect in person with the staff, certainly the atmosphere, the game result, those things helped, right? Um, then at Florida, you have the defensive coaching change with Ty Grantham, the defensive coordinator, being out west. That's probably not the end of the changes in Gainesville. So now you've got uncertainty there. You feel solidified at South Carolina. Important get, you know, uh, revamping the secondary in terms of adding more talent, adding some more depth, adding some more numbers was obviously a priority in this class. And Floyd is a kid that has pretty significant upside because of his physical tools. And so definitely good, you know, a a good step in the right direction in terms of being able to hang on to him and eventually get him officially in this class. Yeah, let's talk a bit about Demetrius Watson, Chris. Uh, Fort Dorchester, defensive tackle, uh, class of 2022 prospect, three-star kid. Really had been leaning to South Carolina for for some time. I I don't think you can – I don't think you can say that this this win over Florida, you know, directly – made him commit to South Carolina because I think the Gamecocks have been in in really good shape for a long time. I will say this, it did seem like, you know, he, he had not visited Carolina a, a ton during the season, even if, if at all. I know it doesn't seem like he'd been on campus in a while. He visited during the summer. Uh, South Carolina had been in a solid position. The question had kind of always been when. Uh, it, it sort of felt like, though, that this experience – not just like the game itself, but just being around the program, getting back into town, seeing the feel of things um, did maybe kind of push him over the top at least and, and, and put him in a position to, to go ahead and, and make the decision. Chris, did, did you, I mean, who, who else was in it for him? I mean, what, I mean, it always sort of felt like it was going to be South Carolina in the end. Yeah, that was the thing. I mean, he had, what I think most people would consider a more modest offer list given the circumstances, you know, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, some schools like that. But I think when you look at Demetrius, there are a few factors. Number one, his kid is a senior, right, a 2022 class. But keep in mind that this is 
The 2022 class, they didn't lose as much time in a relative sense as the 21 class last cycle. They still lost a good bit of recruiting time. So it's not like Watson just, I don't think he absolutely scoured the Southeast in terms of camps and things like that. Camp to South Carolina, camp to some other places. And he plays for a big school in Fort Dorchester. So it's kind of odd to say that he's kind of flown under the radar a little bit, but he kind of has. And so you're right. When he camped at South Carolina this summer, earned an offer. The staff really liked what they saw there with his size and his movement ability. Ever since then, that was kind of the school that you looked at and you went, yeah, I mean, he's probably going to end up there as long as South Carolina will have him. And the staff, you know, tracked him throughout the year. He's had a really nice senior season at Fort D. Um, You know, he's 6'4", 285 or so, and and runs pretty well. Actually plays in um, sometimes in Fort D's scheme. But probably, you know, he's a defensive tackle long term. So uh, interesting prospect, interesting recruitment here. A little bit more of an under the radar guy. But Wes, I think this is one of those guys and there's been many of them. We text about them a lot. Normally every Saturday there's somebody and you look at somebody, um, you know, on a football field for another team and go, man, that kid could have played at South Carolina. You know, why is he not on the roster? I think this is a guy that. Could, could be one of those West South Carolina keeps him at home. Yeah, no doubt, man. I, uh, for, for those on the video feed, you can see the, the highlights right now. Look at this play right here, man. Just uh, a, a physical kid um, right now checks out. I, so I talked to Steve LaPrade uh, yesterday, the Fort D head coach and athletic director. And he, uh, dude, he, he made no hesitations. Like he, He's like, this kid will help South Carolina. He mentioned, I'm going to have to go back and double check that this number is correct. He's like, he's like, we've put, I think he said, 18 defensive linemen um, in college uh, during his time at, yeah. at, at this level, I, I think. So, I mean, he 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 basically was like, this guy. This is just the next in line of our guys who are going to go make an impact. He said – he went as far as saying that Demetrius looks like the the kids that South Carolina is having to face each week in SEC play. Yeah. And he, he offered some some unique insight. And I, some some people may say this, this doesn't matter. I, I thought this was interesting enough to pass along. We, we know there's – a mindset some of of kids these days you know look maybe a little bit more of a, a me first attitude from some guys um he said that is the farthest thing from the way this kid carries himself and and basically was like this the this is the type of kid you need in your program to to build your program around he said that he actually you know they they play 5a football at, at fort d very successful program uh consistently over the last what decade plus um probably longer than that and he said they they don't have to play guys um both ways but uh, i think he meant this past week uh, very recently they had two guys on the o-line go down and had already just been dealing with some depth issues on the offensive line and he said that uh he he told demetrius uh, you know buddy i I might need you to play some o-line this week and uh, said the kid just was like, shook his head, was like, yes, sir. Um, so they go into the game. The two guys can't play. They sub him in. At 285 pounds, he played every single snap, offense and defense, um, in 5A football. And uh, LaPrade said he looked out there. He's like, the kid never came off the field. Like, he's, I mean, I mean from a very literal standpoint, when – the defense was coming off to get water. He's like, he was just still on the in the middle of the field waiting for the next play. Like, he was just like, I don't, I don't need water. I don't. I'm just here to do my job. And he said, you know, he even told him, and uh, you know, he's like, well, um, Demetrius, you're not going to be able to wear ninety this week as an offensive lineman. And he's like, you know, some of these kids are like, coach, that's my number. Like, I got to have my number. Uh, they don't want to wear an ugly number, you know. He said the kid was like, all right, coach, what what number do I need to wear? So he just has a very um, – little bit of an old-school mindset. Um, 
and and LaPrav was talking about he's like I I don't remember the last time I've had to you know they call that an Iron Man game like you play Iron Man football where you play both ways but he said it wasn't just playing both ways he literally played every meaningful snap on offense and defense so I, I thought that was some some cool insight into the type of mindset that this kid has well they definitely seen a lot of talent come through there I mean you think about some of the guys just at all positions, you know, to carry on Joyner and John Simpson from Clemson and Byron Maxwell. But, you know, specifically on the D-line, there's been a ton to where I couldn't even come close to naming them all. The, the biggest ones, you know, Carlos Dunlap. Sorry, Gamecock fans. Bring that one up. Uh, Robert Quinn. Sorry again. Um, those are two, you know, those are two of your probably your biggest ones, but they've definitely had some talent down there. They play at a high level. And so uh, for LaPride to have that kind of, you know, he, he's had some guys, man. They've definitely had some guys down there. I've talked to some other folks around the program who, um, you know, see Demetrius every day, and they they believe that he's having a really good year. And certainly you look at the physical tools and the kind of kid he is, that's someone that you can bring in and develop and, and turn into a good player. Yeah, and I think that's, that's one position, the interior line, where you look and, you know, Carolina has some – they have a good mix right now. you got some older guys there. You got some younger guys that are coming along. Um, tell you what, man, Boogie Huntley hustles more hustles as much as about anybody on that field. I, I've I've seen Boogie forty yards downfield chasing a, a runner down. Um, so you know you got some young guys, and then you have this class coming in. Uh, you know, and, and they they add Watson to it. And dude, I, I'll tell you what, if I'm South Carolina. And I'm assuming they already have. I'm definitely checking in on my boy Jamari Lyons as well in, in that Florida class and seeing if there's maybe something cooking there with depending on how much of this Florida staff gets blown up, you know? Yeah, man. And you know, I was just talking to somebody down at Florida today, and, and this kind of thing is hard to know. You know, it might be kind of a moving target, but talking to some folks down there. You know, I kind of asked about, okay, you know, how are things down there? Obviously, you dismiss a couple coaches, your defensive coordinator, your airline coach, who, by the way, has worked with Dan Mullen like his entire career just about John Hevesy. Um, that was kind of an alarming move, you know, uh, one that's been talked about for a while, but nonetheless an alarming move. Um, the The vibe that I got back was this is not the end of the changes, you know, uh, Dan Mullen makes a couple changes. We'll see how the rest of the year goes. Maybe that dictates things, but this might be a deal where you see even more changes. And so certainly in recruiting, that's something that may be uh, pointed out <laughs> for for lack of a better term by some opposing staffs. And South Carolina finished, you know, second, uh, probably a pretty close second for Jamari Lyons. Maybe worth another check-in, like you said. Yeah, and dude, if, if there if there are other changes, then uh, you know if there are more changes on the offensive side, you know you you probably not that I think he would necessarily flip. Probably make a call to C.J. Smith, right? The speedster that South Carolina was in on early. Probably make a call to Jaden Gibson. Um, let's see, I'm looking at their class right now. E.J. Lightsey, that was a linebacker that South Carolina was in on um, pretty early. He, he kind of they they kind of faded with him. Honestly, he he sort of got his uh, attention on, on some other schools, the visits that he had talked about taking to South Carolina never really played out. Uh, so I, I don't know, but you, you probably make the call. You just find out and it, ne it never hurts to find out. But the, the three guys that, that certainly stand out that you would be looking at from South Carolina standpoint and with a defense coordinator already being out would, would be Jamari Lyons. And then of course the two receivers, Jaden Gibson, CJ Smith, um, Maybe maybe they want to take another visit and and see you know see if they're interested. It doesn't hurt to ask. So we'll we'll see if South Carolina does that. Otherwise, you know, Chris, I would say it wasn't it wasn't a list quite on the level of what the the Kentucky week was probably the biggest. That's one of the biggest recruiting lists I've seen at South Carolina in in a long time. But still, a, a very very solid list. Um, uh, Montique Rames, the uh, Sumter defensive end, class of 2023, four-star kid. He made it in. Uh, Traquan Fagans, Alabama commitment, four-star kid, 2022 defensive back. He made it in. Um, 
let's see. That, I'm trying to think of some other guys worth mentioning uh, that we talked to. Uh, Norris Sellers, intriguing visit there. He is committed to Virginia, class of 2023 quarterback from uh, South Florence in, in South Carolina. Big-armed kid, man. That kid can absolutely sling it. No no offer yet there for, for Sellers, but he. Uh, when I talked to him, he told me that the attention from South Carolina has started to to pick up quite a bit. Uh, Lawson Lucky, the big tight end from Georgia. Uh, at some point, Georgia's going to run out of room to take tight ends as well. So, uh, you know, may, maybe South Carolina slides in, in there and, and can land him. But uh, uh, certainly a nice list to see this signature win for South Carolina. Yeah, hit on a couple of those guys. Good point on on Georgia. And, you know, you kind of look at what they've got on their roster. Oscar Delp, obviously, in the 2022 class. And they already have one 2023 tight end committed to West and Pierce Sperlin out of Florida. So you look at it and, um, you know, there's an opening. Uh, Lawson Lucky's a guy that has some Georgia ties. His dad uh, attended there for a while, played there for a while, did not finish his career there. But, you know, obviously there, there's, an, there's a little bit of an angle there for Georgia, but there's – an angle there for South Carolina is someone that they offered pretty early. Uh, there's a, a good relationship there, and getting them on campus, I think, was a was a pretty significant step. So I, I expect them to be in the game there. Sellers, I'm intrigued by, right? I mean, he's a 23 class guy. We know that South Carolina has targeted pretty hard Dylan Lonergan out of Georgia, but Sellers is someone they saw in camp some this summer at the seven on seven. He's put up some big numbers in Florence this year. I got to see him play against Irmo and Nickham and Warrior Gamecock commitment. And Lenora Sellers lit up Irmo that night. I think they scored 62 points, 63 points. He can run. He can throw on the run. He's got a live arm. He can throw with touch. Very interesting kid. And I'll, I'll, I'll be curious to see just not only South Carolina angle, but just if he picks up more traction in general, you know, around the Southeast after this year. Yeah, you know, talking to him, man, I don't get the sense he's like – like, I feel like even though he committed that his recruiting process is still in the like the early stages. You know, I, I mean, the schools are still kind of finding out about him, I think. He hasn't really taken a ton of visits. Um, the South Carolina visit, he, he told me they don't really plan their visits out too far ahead of time. Um, you know, he's still just sort of working through it. So uh, he, he kind of – he took a trip to VT, he took a trip to UVA, and then he was just like, ah, I like UVA, I'm going to commit, and just sort of sort of hopped in. And so he admitted to me, he was like, look, you know, I'm committed to Virginia. Um, you know, and he's happily committed to Virginia. But I think if other schools hop in, you know, we were talking in general, not specifically about South Carolina, but, you know, if, if an in-state school like South Carolina hops in or another big-name school, then, uh, you know, I, I, it sounded like he would, he would take an, at least an open-minded look at uh at that school by the way another intriguing prospect that was in uh, have you watched the film of benjamin hall yet chris because uh, you're about to if you haven't um i'm gonna throw it up but south carolina in very early here a uh, kid out of kennesaw georgia north cobb um very first offer for him i i, I like what i see though man yeah, he's a, he is a definitely an interesting kid. Get in early on this guy out of Georgia. Plays for a big high school there in Georgia. I think he's having a pretty good year there as well. So first visit for him. You talked to him, Wes. I, I touched base with him briefly. I know you talked to him, so you'll be able to speak more to the visit. But, yeah, th there's definitely a lot to like here on the film. Uh, bigger kid, bigger kid who can, you know, run, shows good vision, can dance around a little bit and find the gaps. Intriguing and probably a storyline to watch from what from what he seemed to tell you. Yeah, great great balance. I, I feel like uh, he's kind of one of those low center of gravity kids. Uh, mm -hmm. Runs physically and just a super nice, super polite kid too. Enjoyed talking to him. You know, like I said with Sellers, very early in, in this recruiting process, even more so than than with Sellers. Um, this was really he and his family's first visit. Uh, pretty much anywhere it, it sounded like. Definitely their first real visit to South Carolina. They went to the game on Saturday. They stayed overnight. They did the photo shoot on Sunday, checked out the ops building on Sunday. And, uh, you know, he's not tipping his hand on anything. He literally first offer, but uh, you could tell that the first offer meant something, you know, to, to a guy who'd, who'd obviously been, I'm sure, wait, waiting on that that first one to come through. And now the 
I told him that that's the snowball effect, though. Once you get a, an SEC offer, uh, other schools tend to uh, all of a sudden decide to to hop in on, on your recruitment as well. So we'll, we'll see if that takes place there. But also, any anytime a kid takes the old double, the two-day visit, um, you know, that, that's a sign of interest on their part and a sign of interest on South Carolina's part as well. So he, he may be a guy to keep an eye on at running back for that next class um, right up there with several other guys. Ike Daniels is who I keep coming back to, Chris, as far as, you know, the mutual interest there. Ike being on campus, I, I think, three times since June. Uh, Montero Hardesty going up there and seeing him in, in Virginia as well. Um, all the feedback we've both heard as far as how things have gone there and how much he likes South Carolina has been extremely positive. So I, I would say Benjamin Hall, who you, we just saw, and, and Ike Daniels are at least two um, out of a group of guys at that position that you're going to want to remember those names uh, going into 2023 recruiting. Yeah, Ike Daniels is one where there's, you know, significant early traction. Uh, two sides seem to really like each other a lot. He camped this summer, back, like you said, back on campus a couple other times. So uh, there are other guys in that 23 class. I think there's, I guess you could say, a short list of, of backs in this 23 class. And Carolina, of course, still wants to sign one in the 22 class. We'll, we'll see where that ends up turning. But Daniels is certainly one out of Virginia to continue to watch. And we will at GamecockCentral.com. Yeah, let's tell the people about Dead Soxie, too, as we uh, fixing to close out the show here. Make sure afterwards that you go over to deadsoxie.com, peruse their full, uh, I was going to say gallery, their catalog of men's and women's socks, all different colors, all different uh, styles, whether it's athletics or dress socks, go to deadsoxie.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com, and use the promo code COCKY to get 25% off your entire order. Yep, and uh, as you see right there below, Chris, uh, you can see uh, our Promo Gourmet hotline, chat line every single day is, is sponsored by our friends at Promo Gourmet. And Chris, did you pick up your uh, your weekly uh, thing yet? You know it, man. You know it. Um, I did. Good selections this week. You know what? I'm not going to spoil all of them. I'll tell you one of them. Um, so you can be surprised, Wes. And the- Tell me the one you're most looking forward to. I think there's a pot roast in there that looks really good. Uh, and I'll give it one, one more way because I already ate it for lunch. There was some sriracha chicken. That was really mm-hmm. good. Yep, very intriguing. Uh, if you want to find out what is in the rest of it, primalgourmetsc.com. Get on their meal plan. They do delivery, their homebound program, or they uh, deliver to a whole bunch of locations in Columbia, Charleston. You can go check out their actual place over in West Columbia as well, primalgourmetsc.com. Promo code GCOCK20 will get you a discount off of your first order with those guys. No doubt. We appreciate Primal Gourmet. We appreciate Dead Soxy. We appreciate our buddy Clint Hammond. And we appreciate all of you for joining us on the show each and every day during the season. And we appreciate our buddy Alyssa Lang for hopping on today and and, uh, spending some time with us and giving us some insight. Uh, Great stuff from Alyssa, as always. She – so so good at her job, so professional. Um, definitely great when she joins us and, and gives us some insights. So we appreciate that. We're going to get out of here. Until tomorrow, uh, we'll see you all on GamecockCentral.com, and then we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, It's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, 
Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.